we're very blessed to have on the show Edwige Natsika, uh, an award-winning author. Within a year of her debut, she was shortlisted for the National Book Award for her short story collection Kick Cock in 1995. Her novel, Breath, Eyes, and Memory, went on to become an Oprah's book club selection. And her latest book, Everything Inside, was named a best book of the year by NPR, BuzzFeed Time, and Esquire. Edwidge, how are you? I'm fine. Inumem, how are you two doing? Ah, nous bien, nous bien, nous bien, that's true thank you so much for for coming onto the show with us and uh this is actually a real honor to be able to to interview you and talk about literature and identity and and to to, to faire reflexion some so I know that you've been really focusing on uh, the Haitian diaspora these last few years, but just to start off, what kind of influence would you say that literature has on shaping Haitian culture and Haitian identity, both in Haiti and abroad? Well, I uh, always say to people who, like when they read me, if I'm the first Haitian they ever read, I always hope that that will give people a taste to go into Haitian literature. And um, I've edited a, a couple of anthologies. One is the Butterflies Wave, Voices from the Haitian Diaspora in the United States. And then two books, Haiti Noir and Haiti Noir Two, with just that um, in mind, the power of literature to connect, to, to bridge really uh, this migration. And because, you know, I, I read a lot of Haitian literature because I, I have the interest and I, I, I learned to read in French. I can still read in French, so I can still read, you know, contemporary authors from Haiti, like Yannick Lyons, Kitley Mars, Lionel Tuyo, Evelyn Tuyo, Marcus and Orcel. I'm just dropping the names also for, for people who are taking notes. Yeah. But um, but a lot of younger people, you know, like my my brothers who were born in the States, they might not be able to. So for me, it was it's so important. That, that I've worked on translations too, and I've written forwards to books mm. because I feel like this literature is an important place where like the, the, the people who are here who, don't, who may not read in French or in Creole because there's also a big literature in Creole in Haiti and outside of Haiti, but that they would have these books and translations, you know, mm. and there, there, there are quite a few translations there. I worked on a translation of Jacques-Stéphane Alexis Lispas de Sima, uh, which is a really powerful book that's set during the U.S. occupation of Haiti. Wow. So I, I really, I think, I think that's a place where um, several, you know, the two generations can meet, right? If we're reading uh, the writers in Haiti, and then there's a whole flourishing group of writers here, mm. you know, who are Haitian American, like Roxane Gay, Ibiza Boy, uh, Katia Ulysse, you know, there's an emerging literature too that's just by Haitian Americans that is very exciting, that, you know, multifaceted. So I think, you know, we've, we've always had that gift of Haitian literature from Jacques Romain to, um, and writers here, especially African-American writers, used to always feel like they had to go to Haiti, you know, they had to go to Cuba yes. for the culture, for the literature, and they met, you know, Jacques Langston Hughes was friends with Jacques Romain, so we have a really strong and powerful literature that I've always wanted the younger people, the younger Haitian Americans to know. Because if you are in France, if you're in, in Canada, in Montreal, 
you may have read the works be, that are written in French, but here it takes another effort, right, to, to go to those translations and find those books. And often a lot of younger people in our generations only meet them when they go to school and it's taught and they're like, oh my God, we have this great literature. So we do have this great literature and it's important to, to share it early. Wow. Like my first, when, my first teachers, I feel like as a writer were storytellers, you know, like Le L'Orchital, you know, you're, you're in the countryside and at night you have the storytelling. It sounds a little bit nostalgic, you know, but, um, but that was my, the summers of my childhood. And, and when the power of storytelling, it was like, for me, when, when la grand monde that's the only time they were like friendly the rest of the time it was all about being stern <laughs> but doing the storytelling it was like it was like the like my grandma would become a kid again so so for me that was such a strong connection and I learned a lot of stories that way that actually as an adult like all the folk tales, the who, you know, those, you know, those types of stories that had songs in them. Mm. When I became an adult, I realized they were, these things were teaching me things for my life. You know, they were also life lessons in those, and those folk tales. So, I mean, storytelling, I think is very powerful. Now, when I go, you know, I, when I go to, to Haiti, I go uh, in a place in the, in the country where my mother-in-law is, every kid is on their phone. <laughs> It's like everywhere else. So there's not so much of that. Um, but, but at least that, that memory, you know, at least that, that, um, that trace of it remains. And, and every literature has a trace of mythology in it. You know? um, so ours certainly has, uh, is reproduced in all tradition. And when we look at Haitian identity and culture today, what role do you think storytelling plays in sort of redefining that in the future? You know, I'm talking about this one storytelling that's more literary, but there's also this other kind of storytelling. And there's a, a, a wonderful um, anthropologist, Gina Elise, who wrote a book, you know, Haiti Needs New Narratives. And so there's, there's also this kind of storytelling in the ways that the stories we tell ourselves, right? We tell ourselves, I know our parents belabored it, you know, it's like we're the first Black Republic in the Western Hemisphere. We tell ourselves this, um, this very... So there's that literary part of the storytelling, but there, there's storytelling that's sort of national mythologies. Mm -hmm. And um, and what happens is I think a lot of older Haitians to this generation was giving a kind of mixed message. You know, you know, we come from a great country, we are warriors, and then and you know, and the country was so beautiful before I left. And then the kid is like, oh, well, maybe I should go to spring break. No, Bali. Mm, right. If I don't know why. <laughs> you know and so there's always that pull and tug and I know people who would go not tell their parents you know because they're they, they had heard the stories they wanted to see for themselves but but there was also the the the, the uh, this other side so I think these are also you know in addition to literary stories but they're also these stories that these conflicted stories that we tell ourselves um mm -hmm. and that that prevents a lot of young people to really know like where they where they feel like they fit when it comes to Haiti mm -hmm. is it is it just 
Is it just Flag Day when you wear all your flags? Is it just Subjumu? Is it just Compa? But you know, and I've and I've talked to young people who the same these different diasporas in other places in the Caribbean were were are we proud if we just hang on to just certain like convenient things like si nous mangeons griot si nous dansons compas is that enough for the pride is that enough is that it or or do we need to dig deeper so that because a lot of us have to you know especially the younger generation have to undo so much of the stigma that that has been that you're exposed to all the time because you you know the next just because you're a Haitian American or you know your grandpa is Haitian or your mother is Haitian doesn't make you immune to the stereotypes to the to the misrepresentations either mm-hmm. oh i love that i just happen to have a lot of conversations uh, with my partner victoria about uh, decolonization and that entire process and you speak about narrative and about myth and the tug and pull between what especially older generations have told us and yet when we try to behave and you're like, oh but you did this and, and they're like oh no no but now is not the same time it it just keeps it's like we're having to learn these 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 lessons about undoing some of the baggage that we have and that we're holding from the past in order to pave the way for the future so i really appreciate that you do touch on on the narrative piece and the mythology piece um one of i think one there's an author uh, a writer sociologist political scientist benedict anderson uh he mentions he wrote a book called uh, imagined communities i remember mm-hmm. we studied him in college and he perfectly described the importance of narrative in defining communities because every community especially nations he brings about this idea of a nation a nation is an imagined community because a nation unlike the state extends far beyond any land defined borders because mm-hmm. just t- thinking about the haitian nation we have we have the diaspora that is just as haitian as the haitians here locally in haiti and that nation that is not defined by a physical space So I love the fact that you talk about how important that narrative is as well and creating any that imagination of of a reality that myth because that really is all of that together creates the Haitian identity. Yeah. And it's it's an evolving narrative too, right? I think I think if we're part of uh, what's difficult often is is we're stuck between often between the, the idyllic and horror right because in in part of the inheritance is you know the, the the parents who they do idealize certain things and then but they stay away to, almost as if to protect that that idealization mm. and of course at the same time we can't it would be a disservice to not acknowledge the very difficulties that that young you know some young people face like young people in my family even like when you talk to them they're like struggle you like it's kind of like you spend all this time to go to school and then you you do your philo you get your results and now what right and right. then that's when that's when like like you're confronting the reality of the of the the you know like the daily life mm-hmm. and are you going to 
you know, and I see young people face this all the time. Are you going to be able to stay or are you going to now start to plot your departure? Right. And so I think um, I, I always I try also not to over idealize because there are some real difficulties on the ground for young people wow. at the same time, which all folds into what it means to be to be Haitian mm. as well. And, and, and for a lot of young people, what it means to be Haitian is is at some point realizing that there will be migration in your future for, for, for so many of them. You mentioned uh, some of your work in translation. If I understand correctly, you're, you're translating Haitian books for uh, abroad in, into English. Is that correct? Yeah. So the first actually book length one I collaborated on was the Lispaster Sima, mm. because I, I, I thought it was also very important, like I said, for young, for people who are reading here in the States. And it's not just focusing on um, it's important in the classes because, believe it or not, a lot of Haitian Americans encounter Haitian writers or Haitian writers in translation in the classroom. So it's very important to have those books, that enough books so that someone wants to teach Haitian literature that they can have like a canon. And there is that now, right? There is yeah. There are enough books in English from Jacques Gomez, my um, Gouverneur de la Rose to to, you know, that you can actually trace a, a kind of um, line. You can teach a whole class in like intro to Haitian literature. And actually there's a really great book that I would recommend called The Haiti Reader. Um, okay. It's a kind of Haiti 101 and it has some extraordinary, it was published by some folks at uh, Duke University and some uh, Nadev Menard and a bunch of professors worked on it. And what you get is like you have documents that blew me away. For example, there is this, uh, the letter that Pétion um, wrote to Bolivar as he was, you know, as he like armed him and gave him all these supplies to go. And he said, you know, when you get there, just, you know, in the, and Bolivar was like, what can I do for you? He's like, all you have to do is just like end slavery wherever, like where you end up fighting wow. your war, right? And so that the letter, he was trying to keep it all low key. And then the letter is in that, it's like really, based on documents and songs and paintings. So it's really like a, um, I would give that to Christmas to like the, the Haitian American in, in my life, <laughs> you know, like the young ones especially. So those acts of translations, even like, which you also, you want it to be entertaining, right? Yeah, because I, I think if you're, when you're like beating the culture in, <laughs> that doesn't work on the kids so much. Right, right, right. So, so if it's like a, a fun thing, because I've found, you know, over like maybe the last kind of 25 years of traveling to universities and seeing a lot of, uh, like a lot of Haitian American kids were like, oh my gosh, I never knew this. I never knew that. But because they had a professor who gave them a book about Haiti and they're like, oh, you know, so I think we have that, the family space, the community space to work on, but it's likely that we will be met in, in this university space too, like a college or high school or middle school, which at the same time gives like validates it for this kid. It's like if my teacher does it, it's different than my mother. Right. Exactly. <laughs> 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 
Mais parfois, si vous obligez à lire, et puis c'est l'autorité à Oui, à cause d'autorité. Oui, exactement. Vous avez changé les frères qui dans le collège, les premières fois, vous avez des professeurs d'histoire qui disent, ça, vous savez, vous êtes de Haïti. Oh my God, le professeur a été like excited, the revolution. And suddenly, you know, you, your back gets straighter, you know, you get a lot more proud because right. then, then there's this sort of outside gaze on your history, on your literature, on your art, which, which because, you, you know, you don't linger on because it's, it's sort of yours. Yeah. I think sometimes when you have that outside perspective, it, it sort of shines a new light and you're forced to, you're, you're like, oh, really? Like, you know, you don't have that perspective. All the time. I, I would also say that the, a new perspective that I haven't had before is I've always heard of a lot of people translating English or French or, or Spanish to, to, to Creole or to, to, to French or more specifically to Creole for the general Haitian population. But it's not often that I hear. In fact, I think it's the first time I've heard of translating Haitian created literature to a foreign language, foreign, of course, with regards to Creole, in order to, to export that literature and those thoughts and ideas and, 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 and way of life and way of thinking to abroad. That, I, that like, or, that's shaking me up. No, but you know, the, the first, um, like, big translation, there were, like, Langston Hughes, the great American poet, did Jacques Romain. He translated mm. his book and... So that there's been that interest, and then there's um, a, a novelist who's escaping me right now, but um, Lumad Kokain, uh, that was he was translated by an American critic. So there was there's always been that interest. I mean, Haiti, there's always been that interest in Haiti. I think um, because for a lot of people, Haiti is seen as sort of like a, a, a smaller uh, Africa in the Caribbean, and so yeah, I mean, American intellectuals especially black ones, you're Frederick Douglass and, uh, you know, people wrote about the U.S. occupation in, in black newspapers. So there was always, like, Haiti has always ha held that interest. In part, it's the revolution. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, there are towns in the, across the U.S. that are called high tie. Um, so we, we do have, <laughs> there's, They're spelled the old way, like H A I T I. I've been to I've been to like one in Missouri and another one in in North Carolina. Hi Ty. C'est bon blanc qui parle créole qui décide yo Actually, there were in those towns, you know, they were settled. They were prominent, predominantly African American towns. There were wow. like, like these towns where pe like people settled the town, a black town. And they, they were inspired by the by the example of Haiti and then named their town after That's it. so cool. Mm. That is just so cool. In your reflections about Haiti and the Haitian people, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned about um, Haitians' behaviors and beliefs, belief mm. system? Certainly one of the pow most powerful elements I see, I continue to see, I saw when I was growing up about Haiti and that benefited my life is the sense of community, this idea of laku, right? Is that the way people embrace each other because you can't, you don't often have a state you can rely on, but your neighbor 
is like like voisin c'est famille like that, that that notion of like we're in this together um and you see it you know it's it's so pronounced in the rural space especially where like like les petites moun mou, les mama moun mouri, like someone just take you know and it's not you know there there are sort of the dysfunctional parts of it but there is that thing where you just uh that embrace of of you know community like just in as as family i think i think that's a powerful thing that we don't discuss enough that sense of because like and and part of the troubles is a little bit of the breakup of that of losing that sense of community of connection that we're you know, when we're not connected to people and then, you know, and then you have young people then who, who turn away and we have the situation that we have now, but also creativity, mm. you know, like, you know, just look at those tap taps <laughs> and, and the wisdom <laughs> on them. My favorite one um, tap tap thing I've ever saw was, um, um, on the front and you know Toni Morrison dies here and you go to Haiti she's on a tap she's tap on a she's tap on the wall yeah, yeah I mean Michael Jordan is on the tap tap the tap tap is global we are global and <laughs> and, and all this beautiful um spirit um which also ache you makes you ache with all the with also the suffering but um but I think what has gotten us through all these generations is the sense of like people take care of each other when, you know, especially yeah. when it counts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for those words too, because I know that that's has that those themes have, have come up in your writing so often about community and about that struggle, but also power, especially women's empowerment as well, which that is, that yeah. that's something that uh, Haiti it is has to has to really push push women to the forefront we need that we need a balance there because we're especially in the cities too too macho <laughs> yeah well i i wanted just to to share i we i know we're running out of time there's a a film i uh dupin uh worked on and i i was worked on a little bit with him that is screening this Saturday, but it's called Madame Sarah. Mm. And that's a perfect example of, of just people really who hold the whole economy on their backs, but also are raising families um, or keeping people fed or just really, I think there's so many stories in, in our community, so many really strong and powerful people that are often overlooked in the general narrative, good or bad, but there's so many like, quiet heroes among us, you know, in, in, in Haiti and in the diaspora. Well, thank, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts with us and, and your perspectives on, on how, how much more than just literature and just uh, culture shares, creates our identity and that narrative, that narrative, that myth, how we see ourselves with relation to others. Um, really, thank you for all of your, for your time and for your thoughts today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Merci en pile. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Reflexion. And don't forget to join us on the next episode. See you then.